Good morning, church. Um, we have an announcement to make. I like good announcements. Uh, this is for our giving, uh, for our legacy, and we filled in seven chairs this week, so let's praise God on that. Amen. That is amazing. It's amazing to see what the Lord is doing, and He is lighting upon His people, and, and you're giving, and uh, I'm just so thankful uh, to the Lord, to all of you and those he's speaking to, and every every amount counts, every amount matters. So uh, it's it's a tremendous blessing. Uh, these, these little hot topic cards, you may see them around. Uh, they're a subject I'm going to be getting in uh, next Sunday, 4th of July weekend will start, and uh, a series more on foundations. But I'll be talking about some of these questions, and if you had a question about why we do what we do, some questions about the church or theological questions. I'm not the theologian, but I know someone that is, and uh, we'll just uh, engage him. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing over the message. Father, I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. Lord, I recognize that in, my, in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me, and I thank you for your word that goes forth here today, Lord, that it shall not return void, but it shall accomplish where it was sent, and it shall prosper over the people of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, welcome. Welcome to Harvest for your guest. Uh, I'm actually in the fourth week of a series that I'm going to kind of bring to a close here. Uh, you can get these uh, messages online on our webpage and through Facebook, uh, even on YouTube. And so you can just uh, uh, Google uh, Church for the Harvest in Alexandria and you can find that. Uh, but this is the fourth week and I've been talking about how God works for our good. He's working for our good. Um, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to throw a number of scriptures at you here uh, for the sake of time. Uh, what I want to get in uh, to here, this is the fourth week in our series, but my first verse is going to be actually in Romans, Romans 15.4. But the scripture says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. How many of you know that the Old Testament and the New Testament is the whole Bible? Uh, you need to understand that because there's some ministers that uh, on a national scale dismiss the Old Testament and that, well, that's the Old Covenant and we're in the New Covenant. And really, they just focus on the epistles. Listen, it's the whole Bible, okay? And it says right here in this verse, and there's other verses that we can learn from the Old Testament. Can I get an amen? And so we just need to clarify that if there's any confusion. And so that through endurance, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have a hope with confidence in His promises. Another verse, Second uh, Chronicles 15.4, and we have time, we'll get into that, uh, what I want to give the background of this. But when they were in trouble, in trouble, nobody raise your hand on this, but have you been faced with trouble lately? When they were in trouble, they turned to the Lord of Israel, and in desperation, uh, earnestly sought him and let uh, them find him. Very interesting verse. And our text in this series has been Romans 8, 28. For we know that for those who love God, somebody shall love God. And we talked about that. We talked about what it means to love God, that word agape love, and loving the Lord, doing what he wants in our life. And it says, all things work together for good. We like to quote this verse and we hear it. It's quite popular. We say, well, all things work together for good. Well, there's a temperance here. 
It talks about loving God. Somebody say amen. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. And that actually all things mean not just the prosperity, come on, not just the blessings in life, not just I prayed for this, this happened, I was healed, those are good. But how many know suffering and persecution and at times, you know, uh, difficult things, reproach and all these things uh, that God's saying that all things, God cooperates in all things for those who love God. And it says that word work together actually means contribute. So God is involved in those that love him. He's going to turn these negative things around for your good. Somebody say amen. Being called to his plan. Some say, well, I'm not called to his plan. You know, I'm not called to his purpose. You know, it's just certain special people. Special people have special privileges. And, you know, for some reason, God smiles on them, but not on me. No. I mean, I know that we are all predestined for greatness in God. That doesn't mean you're all going to be awesome. In God's eyes, we're all awesome. Amen. It doesn't mean you're going you know, to be world conquerors, but in Christ, we can be world conquerors in our life and what we do. How many know as a parent, raising a kid this day is an awesome thing? It really is. A child and raising, loving on them. And, and so sometimes we look for these really magnificent things in our lives that look like, what is the great and awesome thing? And God might want you to be faithful at your job. Amen, Pastor Mike. I missed my amen section. There was more in the earlier service. <laughs> amen. Just be faithful. Be, be a loving husband. Be a loving wife. Amen. Love your kids. Serve God. Amen. <laughs> starting to wake up here. Love God. So our text, I won't spend much time on that, but our, our text has been in Isaiah 46. God says, I declare the end from the beginning. God knows. God knows. And he says, in ancient times, from what is still to come, I say, my purposes will stand and all my good pleasure I will accomplish. What a powerful verse, a verse of declaration that God says, you know what? I'm going to get done what I want to get done. And so the scripture is saying that God declares the end from the beginning. We've been talking about that. And I, and I believe that when God planned out our lives, he starts with our final scene. And we use the illustration of that in the movie. I won't get into that. You can listen to the last few podcasts. But he talks, he starts what I believe our final scene. Where God wants to end up, that's what he starts with. It's the final finished product. He says, that's what I want. And how many know there are scenes in our life that don't make sense? They just don't make sense. Here's the thing. As long as you're breathing, your movie is still going. And only God knows how to weave that together. And we talked about the life of Joseph and I said this, the real test of life, now watch this, is this, will you stay in faith, watch this, when you're doing the right thing, but the wrong thing is happening? Amen. Yeah, thank you, amen. Will you continue being your best? Some of you wondered, what church have I come to this morning? We're a Holy Spirit church, amen. <clears throat> will you continue to be your best, even when you're not getting the credit? Hmm. Will you stay passionate? with a godly attitude, even though maybe the door has closed. You didn't get what you want. It didn't work out. You prayed. You didn't see that answer the way you thought it should happen. Will you still passionately love God? Amen. I'm going to try. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, what you may think sometimes is a setback is really God setting you up. He's setting you up to get you to his purpose, his plan for your life. Can you say amen? And so here's the thing. We can go through life fighting everything we don't like, and I've done that, been there. Come on. 
I don't like this. I complain about this, complain. And you could be known for the woman of the man that's the Debbie Downer or Mr. Downer guy that always, you know, has nothing good to say. Amen. You know, it's all these bad things happen. Have you heard about the bad things in my life? Listen, everybody has bad things happening. <clears throat> Amen. People want us to talk to people that have been through some bad stuff that overcame. Amen. And that's what God's called us to overcome. And so we could go through life, we can be bitter or offended, we can be upset, or we can stay in peace knowing that God is directing our steps, even though there's demonic twists, there are crazy things that happen as we live in this life, things at times we don't understand. And, you know, but I like how the scripture says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. You know, in time you may not understand things, but as you draw near to the Lord, there are times that sometimes decades later, God showed me a clarity on something that I didn't know. But the secret of the Lord is those who fear him. And so God will, in time, uh, explain, I believe. Some things, though, we have to get to heaven. We just don't understand. It doesn't it make sense. But in the end, the Bible says that God's saying these difficult things are going to work to our advantage if we trust him and continue to love him. Someone once said, God always ends in all is well. So all of, if it's not all well, it means that, well, God isn't done. Amen? You're still breathing. How many remember the time when there was the PVRs? I think now it's, you know, everything's online with, you know, movies and television and all that. Uh, but there was like a PVR, a DVR, and some of you still have it where you record a game beforehand or a sports game or a movie or whatever. And, and then you find out how it ends. You know what? I still watch it. And because someone said, well, you know, this is what happened in the fourth quarter. They fumbled or something, you know, was really traumatic. And the last two minutes were agonizing. You still watch it and you go through that. But how many of you know you don't get upset? Because why? You know the ending. You know it's going to turn out well. Amen? God has a good ending for all of us. But when you talk about that and you talk about expected end, and, but how many of you know we live in a fallen world? And seeing his come in and it's real. And death is at work in this world. If you don't believe it, just turn on the news. Death is at work. Uh, and so, so this message really is not, as I can bring conclusion here to this series, it's really not on how the devil wreaks havoc on people's lives, because that's many, many series you could talk about. How he's out to kill, how he's out to steal, how he's out to destroy, and all of that. But it's really, it's talking about those that are, watch this, endeavoring to live Golly, in Christ Jesus, righteous people, and they suffer. They're doing the right thing, but something bad happens. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? That's, that's really what this is about. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 15, there was a king in the Old Testament, King Asa. And the Bible says the Spirit of God came on a prophet, Azariah. And it says this, he went out to meet Asa, this king of Judah, who's trying to do the right thing when he started off. And he said, listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. He says, the Lord is with you when you are with him. I think that's interesting. If you seek him, if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. <laughs> For a long time, it said, Israel is without the true God, without a priest, or you could say this, without pastors preaching the truth. You know, there's pastors today, God bless them, but some of them, they're just not preaching the truth of the word of God. And we need ministers to stand up for truth. Can I get an Amen. And what's right, what's in the Word of God, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult. Some preachers have gone to prison in Canada for standing up for truth. Yeah. 
I'm just throwing that out there. It's a, it's, it's a serious time that we're living in, and, and God is looking for men and women to stand up for what's right. And that's not always an easy thing, but it, it's the right thing. But I want you to know, verse 4, it says this, interesting. It said, but in their distress, they, and I added whosoever, because in another translation says that. Somebody shout whosoever. Whosoever is whosoever. It may be you, but it might not be you. So you may be in the whosoever category, or you may not. Well, what determines that? God's sovereign? No, it determines your choice. Are you a whosoever? That's the question you have to ask yourself today. Will I be a whosoever? Maybe that's the title of this message. Will I be a whosoever? Whosoever turned to the God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. What an amazing verse. He was found. And then it goes on to say this, and in those days, it was not safe to, tr safe to travel about. Hello, this is America today in many places, right? For all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil, mm, the whole planet. One nation is being crushed by another, one city by another, hmm, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But it says this, but as for you, and I put in Church for the Harvest, ready? But as for you, Church for the Harvest family, be strong. Do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. That's a good word, amen. Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me early and diligently will find me. I like how it says early. Just thought I'd throw that out there, early. You know, it's hard for me, 11.30 at night, trying to think, let me try to pray. <laughs> if I don't get done in the morning, come on with the coffee, amen? That's the best time. Your mind is quiet. Anyhow, just throwing that out there. Another verse, uh, very familiar to many of us, Jeremiah 29. I know I throw them a lot at you, but I'm getting to a point here. After 70 years of captivity, uh, Jeremiah, before that, writes this, and he says this, then with deep longing, you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity, and you will find me. God, where are you? Where is God in all this craziness? What's going on in the world? God, where are you? You can find the Lord if you seek him. It's what he says. When you search for me with all of your heart. Wow. God allowed them to go through a season, and it was actually decades, 70 years. And the prophet writes, though, after this time, you're going to return to the Lord. You will seek him. You will long for him. You will search him out. Now, many of us, we go through life, and there is blessings, and, and we are to declare those things. But one of the things I grew up, and I grew up in the Word of Faith movement, and and I learned a lot of things from the Word of Faith, and I think there's some great ministers still today. They're preaching the truths of it. But one thing that I really struggled with that I saw in the Bible but I didn't hear a lot of was the subject of suffering. And there doesn't seem to be a theology in the Word of Faith movement from what I found on a theology of suffering. Because anytime you mention anything about that, someone say, no, we just rebuke that away. Well, how many of you know you can still stub your toe today? Isn't that right? You know, there's things that happen that you didn't, you know, want to happen. And uh, little things that, you know, you, you just, it's just life and stuff happens. Now, so I believe in the, in the declaration of the word, the power of the tongue. I believe that, you know, the spoken word is powerful. Can I get an amen? But you know what? There are some things we just go through in life we didn't ask for. It stinks and it's a terrible scene and we suffer. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Right? It's, it's a fact of life, and I don't understand it. But here's the question I want to address here this morning. Am I suffering just to learn a lesson? Well, some would say yes. You know, whenever you talk about suffering, you do have a captive audience, and they're actually pretty quiet in here. How many know as a Christian you're going to suffer? 
Bible talks about that. I don't look for it. I don't wake up every morning going, I can't wait to suffer today. <laughs> no, I don't want to suffer. And I think all of you are in the same boat with that. We don't want that. But, but, but uh, as a Christian, the Bible talks about that in Romans 8, 2 Corinthians 1, Philippians 1. Life has its joys. Life, life has its pleasures, its laughs. But, but sometimes life will also bring spiritual, emotional, physiological, and sometimes even physical pain. Do you know what I found was interesting in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, but it talks about the suffering servant. It's a prophetic word about Christ. And the prophet wrote about that hundreds of years before Christ came on the scene. And it says this about Jesus. He said, Jesus is a man of sorrows. Now, we know from what we read in the scripture about Jesus, he's a man of many things. How many know that he was a man of truth? How many know he could have, this verse could have said he was a man of holiness? Isn't that right? You would say, that's right. He was a man that was eloquent. I mean, he spoke and the masses listened to him. Um, we could have said that he was a man of love, that he was loving and kind. But the Bible records that he was a man of sorrows. wonder why. And see, it, I believe that God cares and he understands about the sorrow and the plight of us all. And it says he was a man of sorrows. He understands the frustrating days when nothing seems like it's working out. Am I speaking to anybody? A man of sorrows. He understands loss, loneliness, rejection. But here's the thing. He's not separated from it. Jesus is not apathetic to your situation, indifference, like, well, that's you. I hope you learn your lesson and get over it. No, he's very empathetic to you. You know, we suffer for many reasons. Once again, we live in a broken world, sin. And you know what? God does use suffering at times to discipline those he loves. How many know when we walk in disobedience, blatant, how many know that's not a good state to be in? Can I get an amen? And sometimes, you know, we can grow in faith, and God will grow us in our faith. And, and so in ways, suffering, we can. We can learn a lesson to imitate Christ. But here's the thing. This message assumes that, that you're all not walking in a knowing, a intentional, a continual or a high-handed, unrepented sin. That's what this message is assuming. See, if that is you, then the solution for your problem or your plight or your suffering is you need to repent. Can I get an amen? Repentance means, it's a Greek word, metanoia. Metanoia in the Greek actually means change your mind. So let's say every weekend you go out and you steal radios out of cars. That's what you do. To repent means stop doing that. <laughs> stop stealing, okay? You know, that, that, that's simply what it, it, it's talking about when we change your mind. Now, how many of you know the, you need the power of Christ within you to stop sinning? You can't do it on your own. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna just be a, just like an animal without Christ. You're going to, every wicked thing, the enemy will keep taking you further. And first, see, that's what sin does. It costs you more than you want to pay. Keeps you longer than you want to stay. Can I get an amen? That's the fact. But, but you know, that, 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 you know if that's your unrepentant sin, repent. This message, though, is aimed at common maybe misconceptions that people have and when it comes to when the righteous suffer. I'm just going to read what one commentator says about this, and he says something like this. When we suffer, it is because God wants us to come to a cognitive knowledge of some fact. And once we have learned that fact, he will take away the suffering. We tend to imagine that our suffering is some sort of divine elementary school where we're supposed to learn some fundamental spiritual lesson. We think that if we can just learn to trust God more or learn 
how to you know, be less selfish in our life or learn how to let go, for example, God is going to take away our suffering. Well, how many know it's true that in the midst of suffering, if there's something you need to learn, how many know, yes, we can learn lessons in suffering? Isn't that right? I've gone through it in times where insensitive. Uh, I've shared earlier that there was, uh, uh, you know, I would pray for people and people would ask, could you, Pastor, could you pray for my back or my neck? I'm having neck pain or whatever. I was like, okay, I pray for them and, you know, trust, believe God. But until I had a double fusion in my neck, come on, somebody, and I had to wear a collar back in 2002 for eight weeks, and I looked like Frankenstein trying to preach. And people go, oh, you look like Frankenstein with that collar. Thank you. Uh, I, I had a double fusion and had to go through that and have a little bit of nerve damage in this arm. Thank God I came through it, but I suffer. When people say, Pastor, can you pray for me? My neck hurts. My heart's all in. I understand what they're going through. So yeah, can we learn lessons? Can we have empathy? Can we go through some things? Yes, we can, if we don't let that harden our heart in that situation. But some lessons, it takes just, there's some things we go through. Um, but is that the main reason for the things we go through, that suffering? Is there something actually the Lord has that's actually much deeper? Maybe you could even say more gracious. Uh, when the Christian experiences suffering. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? So I'm going to give a little illustration here, illustrate this point. So just imagine you're out of shape. So I'm imagine all of you in awesome shape here this morning. But just imagine someone else. You can't even walk up steps without being winded. Or even open up a bag of Cheetos. You lose your breath. Just open up the bag of Cheetos. <clears throat> and so you hear about this personal trainer who's world famous for helping individuals just like yourself. And they help you live a better life, a healthier life. So you sign up for one of his sessions. And knowing that sometimes you could be a little unmotivated, you make him promise that no matter what you say, how much you beg, watch this, how mad you get, he will do whatever he has to do to get you into shape. Wow, he's going to get me into shape. So with that in mind, what does he do? He puts you on a treadmill. How many have ever been on a treadmill? Come on. <clears throat> I don't like treadmills. I've got hurt on treadmills. I'd rather run outside. So, so this isn't an ordinary treadmill. So I got a little picture up there, but let me just paint a picture. This trainer is committed to getting you into shape at all costs. So what does he do? He puts up walls around it. So I just want to env you envision walls around the treadmill. Front, back, sides, all four around. And you know the little areas where you can just jump onto the side to calm down after a minute after you're exhausted running? They're not there. It's butt right up. So there's none of that. And then on top of that, he's taken all the controls away from the panel to slow down the track. Now you're on the treadmill. How many following with me? Say, ma'am. <clears throat> and so all you can do is run. That's all you can do. So you think, great. So always you see people sometimes in the gym and they start up, they have their earbuds and they plug in and they put that thing, I'm going to put it up to nine, you know, I'm going to do a four and a half minute mile and, and next thing you know, boom, someone's rolled off and, or something. That, you know, what's this, you know, he's running so hard and so fast if one little thing, anyhow. And so, so, so here's what happens. You get on it, all you can do is run and then what's the first thing happening? You start to get tired, you start to get winded. And the first thing, you try to do is get off the treadmill. There, right? And this is usually the first thing we try to do when we begin to, when we go through suffering. We go through suffering. So our first response to suffering is that we try to get out of it. How many know that's not a bad thing? Come on, right? 
trying to get out of, you, you know, if you can get out of suffering, do it. I don't wake up every morning and go, bring on the suffering, Lord. Bring it on. I just can't wait. No, I avoid it, just like you, any little thing. But how many know that suffering will find you? You don't have to try to find it. <laughs> Isn't that right? And so, so, so what am I mean? What am I trying to say? Hey, if you're sick, get well. Amen? If you're sick, get well. Uh, if there's some cure for it, you know, seek that all by all means. Take the cure. If you need counseling, get counseling. If you need a new job, which everyone is hiring now, and everyone's throwing bonuses at it. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, get, get a new job. There's plenty of work out there. If your marriage is, you know, crashing and burning, uh, talk to mature couples. Talk to some couples that have, you know, kind of weathered through some things. And uh, Don't try to stay in suffering if you don't have to. Obvious point number one. Number two, but what if you do if you've tried to get out of the suffering and that suffering doesn't go away? Now, I just want you to remember in this scenario, your trainer has made it that to where you cannot get off the treadmill. Remember this. He did this because he has promised to do whatever he has to do to get you into shape, even if you don't like it. Number two, what is the next thing you probably begin to do, which I begin to do? I just begin to whine and beg and complain. I know no one in here would ever do that when troubles hit you, but please let me off the treadmill. My lungs are killing me. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And usually that's the next step of suffering. I've shared in the earlier service that uh, back in 2011, uh, uh, I think I entered midlife crisis. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I was 46 years old, and, and so I started doing triathlons. And I don't know if somebody maybe in the nation blew a trumpet and said, all men in their 40s start to do triathlons because I, I walk out and there's hundreds of guys my age. I'm like, why are you all here doing this? Uh, this is all self-inflicted. And uh, I just can remember I've been over 25 triathlons over a five-year period. And, and I never really was a good swimmer. And, and I, I started out and sometimes I'd try to, I'd flop like a fish and I would swallow whole water at the Y, get up six in the morning trying to go. I would, oh, like, I'm dying, you know, and, but actually I got it down and it started to work and I could, I could, you know, really do well with my time and I increased. But then there was the cycling and, and then the running part. I actually, I was in the Clydesdale category. Clydesdales are over 200. I don't know if you want to know about that, but so I was in that category, but, but I, I lost weight and I kept pushing and pushing. I remember, I think it was in 2012, if I remember correctly, I did a triathlon here in Alec, and it was 37 degrees out. But see, it was one of those things, the synergy was there. And so everyone was like, are you doing that? Yeah, I'm doing that. You know, and there was over 200 people competing. And then we find out the temperature is 37 degrees. So after I got out of my swim, out of Discovery Middle School, opened, came out on that door, my tri-outfit, my whole body froze. <laughs> it's 37 degrees. And then I got on that bike and had to cycle, whatever, almost 12 miles. By the time I got off the bike, my hand stayed frozen to the, the handlebars there. I had to run to somebody on the sidelines and say, can you please take my helmet off? Because I didn't want to run with my helmet. That would be weird. And so some guy helped me out. God bless him. And uh, anyhow, that was all self-inflicted. I did that to me. But here's the thing. We beg, we weep, we cry. God, take it away. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. You should ask God, take you through this, take you through this. How many know Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass. 
right? Even Christ in that moment, the cross was before him knowing the agony. But unless you really go through that, you don't know. He just knew what was in store for him. He said, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. Thank God he didn't turn and go, you know what? I'm staying. I'm not doing that. He said, I, I want the will of the Lord for my life. Wow. Praise God. But suppose it doesn't go away. This leads to the third step. Almost done here. Our third step of suffering, which where I think is, you know, a lot of us at times, and, and, and there's, I believe, biblical truth in this. There's, there's a lot of scriptural foundation that, that there's some spiritual lesson you need to learn. Okay in the suffering. And when you learn that lesson, the suffering stops. I've, I've heard that before. I, there's plenty of biblical examples and many instances in the Old Testament and New Testament is full of examples of how they disobeyed the Lord and how they fell away from the Lord, how they served idols and, and these calamities came upon them and then how they came out, how they began to worship God. They sought the Lord and God blessed them. I mean, there's plenty of examples in that. But, but is the purpose of suffering just to learn some spiritual lesson that maybe you could have learned by simply reading the Bible? How many know there's nothing wrong learning spiritual lessons? Amen. Learning theological truth is a good thing, which you all should be learning in reading your word. Amen? Amen. On a regular basis. Praise the Lord. But, but there's more to it than that, I believe. And, 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 and here's the thing. is the purpose of putting you on this treadmill, really, so you can learn some mental lesson. Uh, about maybe how the good treadmill is good for you, or is it to, or is it actually to change you, to actually change you, to actually get you into shape? Stand with me if you would, please. I want you to listen to this part really closely, if you would, please. The purpose of putting you on the treadmill is so that you would not try to have to want to get off of it, which naturally our inclination is, or to make you beg, cry, or maybe, hey, you've got to learn some spiritual lesson. Possibly you might. But actually, the treadmill is there to actually get you into shape. Get you into shape. Think about that. So when you think about the treadmill, or you could say suffering, which I'm not saying I comprehend all this. I, I don't. There's things I... When I get to heaven, I'm like, Lord, I didn't, get, I didn't grasp this. But in that moment, I will. This made no sense. I don't understand this. But I'm trusting that you're going to work all things for my good in the midst of this. Am I speaking to anyone this morning? The treadmill itself is what gets you in the shape. Not maybe the lessons we learn in which we can learn many lessons. It is the means of getting you into shape, whether you like it or not whether you understand it or not, or whether you agree with it or not. How many know that if you trust the trainer, the end goal is your physical health? Isn't that right? Well, trust the trainer. Let's just pull up this next slide here. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike, as we conclude? God's end goal for you is your spiritual health. I've said this last week. There are things that I don't, grasp and understand in this whole thing of suffering that I think we only will understand when we get to heaven. But we know there's a real devil out there who 
comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's about that. That's what he's about. And and what the enemy means for evil, only God can turn around for good. But there's a real enemy out there. I said there's a real enemy out there. And, and, and so what we don't want, we don't want to be in that part of the camp where we're in deliberate, unrepentant, known sin and disobedience. I mean, say, well, that's why I feel I'm at, Pastor Mike. Hey, there's hope for you today. There's victory for you today to come out. But you maybe walk in circumspect. That's just an old uh, English word, me, and you're walking right down the way. You're doing the best you can. And something bad happens. It strikes us all. And it makes no sense. Here's the thing. You need to trust God, the trainer. You need to trust the Lord, your trainer. I don't have an answer for that. People constantly ask me at times, you know, Pastor, what do I do? What do I do? I've done, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything. I'm try, I, I try this and I pray this. I listen. I don't have an answer for that, but I have an answer for this. Trust the trainer. Trust the trainer. Do you love God? Are you serving Him? Yes, yes. He's going to turn this thing, this negative scene for your good. Only He can do that. Only He can do that. And then where it's like, wow, what an amazing God. He turned that thing around. See, God is after our spiritual health. He's after his eternal kingdom, not just in this life, but in the life thereafter. In the life thereafter. Every head bowed here this morning. For some reason, and I don't understand it all, God has used suffering as the treadmill that can produce spiritual health. It can hearten many people, and it does. And many of those, when you hear the situations, you go, that's very understandable. I am not making light of that. You hear some painful, agonizing, heart-wrenching situations with people that have gone through in life. It's like, how are you even standing But you are? But here's the thing. If you're still breathing, your movie hasn't ended. God can bring another scene in your life. God is the only one that can do that. Yes, God uses pain. He uses those things to sanctify and discipline us. But I believe there's something even deeper. The Bible says in Romans 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Wow. Praise God. What are you trying to say, Lord? You know this whole thing about character? It's like the smelter when he melts gold. He knows the gold is ready when he can look his face into it and his face reflects, his, the gold reflects his face. Wow. There is a purpose in it. I don't understand it all. 2 Timothy 2 says, Share in the suffering is a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Okay? 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. It doesn't say, rebuke it. I don't want to go through it. He says, endure it. James 1, 2, and 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You know, I share how my wife and I, just a few years ago, it was 2019, I've shared this before. It was actually a Sunday, November 24th. Some of you were there. We made an announcement. Watch this. It was the, one of the heaviest services I've ever been a part of my whole life. Because it was an announcement, we are not building the church. We don't have the money. 
the interest rates, all that. We can't, we cannot afford it. And so with a heavy heart, my wife and I, uh, with all the, the, the trustees came forward and we had them share and, and then we had a kind of a question and answer time. I'll never forget that Sunday after it was over. I was so distraught for 20 years. We've pressed and I felt I'm not the guy. I need to quit. I'm not the guy. I mean, I took it, we took it this far and this, you know, hey, I'm like David. Maybe I had too much blood in my hand. Solomon, my son, will take it over. I don't know. My whole mind was going through all these crazy things. I'm not the guy. And then 2020 hits, COVID, and the Lord says, now's the time. Now you need to do it. I'm like, what, Lord? This is the craziest time to build. No one in their right mind would do this. God says, I'm in my right mind. Now's the time to do it. Now's the time to do it. I'm like, how, God? He goes, that's you tried your hardest for 20 years. It's, you gave up. That's what I need. Let go of the rain. See, that's why I'm not even worried about this new building. I'm not worried about supply chain, anything that we need, anything that's maybe at a loss. Why? God said, this is the time. And we started building already. There's already a steel structure going up. And people wondered, don't you know it's a crazy time to build? Yep. But God said, now's the time. And now's the time is making a huge statement when people that need the Lord, people that need Jesus, people that we have a whole generation of people that have grown up that haven't been to children's church. Come on, somebody. They haven't been to youth groups. They have. They don't know nothing about God. They know nothing. And so we're going to be ready for them. We're going to be ready. You're going to be ready for them. See, he's not just building a building. He's building you. He's building you. I said he's building you. Everything you've been through, there's empathy. There's things in your life you've gone through. They're going to go, how did you make it through? How did you make it through? God did that. God did that. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, please. God knows what he's doing. He is working for our good. Our one requirement is that we draw near and we love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God will see you through. I said, God will see you through if you just make that the number one. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? You know, we preach and teach here that you need to be born again. You need to be converted. It's very sad, but in a lot of churches, they don't teach that. They just teach that, well, God loves you all, and you may make it to heaven. No, there's a way you can be a certain, 100% sure that you can go to heaven. How? By you accepting Christ, repenting of your sin, inviting Christ into your life. You have the choice to do that. You have the choice to release your spirit man or spirit woman and say, Lord, come into my life and fill me with your spirit. You have the choice to do that. Just going through life, just thinking, well, there's a man upstairs. I don't know. That's not salvation. Salvation is is you confess and repent and believe and receive. This is a moment right now here. This is a solemn moment. This is one of the most important moments of the whole service. And I want to challenge you, those of you here this morning, Maybe your guests or visitors, those maybe watching online, you say, Pastor, I do not have the assurance of salvation. I don't have that. I don't know for certain. God forbid, if I died, I'd go to heaven. But you can know. You can know. So what do I need to do? You need to repent and receive Christ in your life. It's a very simple prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I want Christ. I want to know that I have an expected end. I want to know that God is working all things for my good. Then you need to pray this prayer. We like to pray it corporately. We're not all getting saved again, but we're just supporting those 
who are praying the first time to receive Christ. If that's with you, with every head bowed, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Jesus, fill me with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer, we want to help you on your journey. We want to help you along for spiritual growth. We're here for you as a church. We